this weekend, Formula One is in northern Italy, just outside of Milan, in the city of Monza, where they'll be racing on a track of the same name. The track is located within Monza Park, which is a massive walled park that is three times the size of the grounds of Versailles, and it's the largest walled park within Europe. Empress Maria Theresa and Archduke Franz Ferdinand had a villa here until Napoleon's army chased him off during the French occupation of Italy. Napoleon's stepson, we'll call him Eugene, commissioned the park as an extension of this villa and also as a recreational area for the royals. This stepson, Eugene, was related to Napoleon through his on-again, off-again, you-cheat-on-me-I-cheat-on-you, consort, wife, and eventually Queen of Italy, Josephine. The park was completed in 1808, but motorsport didn't come here until 100 years later when the track was built in 1922, or about 14 years after Henry Ford first introduced the Model T. When this track was built, it was the world's third purpose-built motor racing circuit, the other two being Brooklyn's in the UK and Indianapolis in the US. And because of this history between Indianapolis and Monza, there has been a bond between the two cities with the two cities sharing sister city status since 1994. Try saying that 10 times fast. The track is known by many names, such as the Temple of Speed or the Magic Track, if you speak Italian. And it's been a staple of the Formula One calendar, making appearance on every calendar except for one since Formula One first started. The stands this weekend will be filled with red and then yellow, as their, which is their special color for the weekend. Uh, as a stampede of Tifosi, the Ferrari faithful, congregate at this Temple of Speed. And no, they are not infected with typhus, as the word Tifosi means. They are just feverish to cheer on the Scuderia to another podium like they achieved in both 2020 and 2019. In 2022, Ferrari finished just outside the podium, where we had a top five of Max, Charles, George, and then Carlos of Ferrari. And then lastly, Lewis. It was a controversial race finish where they ended underneath safety car conditions, which is great for podcast name recognition, but maybe not so great for the drivers. The track itself is defined by speed with the cars operating at full throttle for 80% of the lap. And for that reason, engine and other failures are common as the demands on the car are high. So the track demands both high speeds and with that comes high deceleration. And for three of the corners, the drivers experience an average deceleration of 5.5 Gs, which is 2 Gs more than astronauts will experience during liftoff. Teams, if their cars don't fail, will try for 53 laps here of the 3.6-mile track, and we can expect to see slipstreams and DRS trains. There are two DRS zones available for the drivers, and passing is achievable if you're brave enough to outbreak your opponent from, 22, from 220 miles per hour into a corner. Carlos Sainz described the track as, Monza is a very special racetrack for any fan of the sport. It embodies and represents what Formula One is really about and the passion it inspires. Inside of the car, you reach the highest speeds in the calendar, and we also have some of the heaviest braking points around. Overtaking is feasible here, so it's one of the most interesting rounds of the championship. This weekend, we look forward to seeing another race with Liam Lawson, who replaced Danny after Danny broke his hand. 
Liam is going to continue racing for AlphaTauri until Danny gets better. But as a Daniel fan, I hope that that doesn't last too long, and I hope we see Danny back on the track soon. Today's episode is going to be filled with everything Italian, from pasta to California Pizza Kitchen. It'll be a three-host episode today, and I'll be joined by both Doug and Remy. And without further delay, I know you're all hungry for some Italian, so let's start the show. Uh, I know Remy's playing fantasy football this year because he's in my league. But are you, uh, Doug? Are you playing fantasy football? No, apparently I uh, missed the memo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have a uh, we have a twelve person league. I was telling somebody today that um, this is the time of year where I pay my friends fifty dollars uh, for the pleasure of playing fantasy football with them because <laughs> I, I I just don't know what I'm doing. We 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 struggled to find the twelve person also, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really uh, salt in the wound here i think it's more that uh remy knew uh that the chances of him winning if i was included go down drastically and so he excluded me from it on that on those grounds yeah my my, my history with doug and fantasy football is i usually get a text two or three weeks into the season saying help i uh, you know i'm i'm winless right now uh who should i pick up off the waiver wire so that's that's the doug experience that i got typically with fantasy football so i think that it would be more of the same yeah i mean in the past i've definitely leaned on you for fantasy football uh knowledge it's going to be different this year since we're in the same league so i can't do that <laughs> but we'll see I'll i don't come know to I... me come to me and uh and you'll be good okay and then you'll go the remy <laughs> <laughs> Like ha- we have a theory that Paul's going to end up drafting three kickers. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I mean, kickers score points, right? Yeah, they have feelings too. They have feelings too. Yeah. No, I, um, so Doug, if you were if you were going to uh, be in a fantasy football league uh, this year, what, what's your draft strategy going to be? Tell me so I can I can develop my draft strategy. Well, so now I'm actually realizing I, I haven't been in fantasy football for the last couple of years now because I've learned that like football moves too quickly for me. The, the injuries pile up, new players, new faces all the time, and there's no consistency. Mm-hmm. And you really need to be like on top of it season to season. Otherwise, you like get three years down the road and you're like, I don't recognize any any of these names. Mm-hmm. Doug, I think you should just recommend that Paul take Antonio Gates in the first round, uh, and then we can just move on here. <laughs> I think that was my last first round pick was Antonio Gates. <laughs> I think uh, it's one of the, the reason that you mentioned Doug is one of the reasons why I like Formula One. I mean, there's there's 20 people, there's 10 teams, <laughs> they don't change very often. Uh, they're going to remain the same. That you know, 80 percent of them will be here next year. It's all going to be the same people. Um, yeah, with football, it's like, I don't know how anybody keeps on top of it. I mean, there's just too many people to keep track of. But the other benefit, the only benefit that football has as being the best fantasy sport is that it's it's a weekly thing. There's only mm-hmm. seven, like there's only 15, whatever, how many weeks, 17, I, I think. But uh, you only have to manage a team for one game a week. 
a lot of other sports are like miserable to do fantasy with because you're like constantly having mm-hmm. to adjust and like day by day, whether it's baseball, basketball, there's just way more games. Yeah, yeah and I with can. football too, the stats also very much lend themselves well to scoring for fantasy football, like yards and points and catches and things like that. It just it just makes it easier for scoring for uh, fantasy football. Yeah, baseball seems like it'd be impossible to keep on on top of just with a sheer number of games that they have. That's what the computers are for. They take care <laughs> of it for you. You're not you're not uh you know keeping tracks of uh, backwards K's on a piece of paper, you know, putting them into Excel someplace. Not anymore. But uh, we've got a got a good race this this upcoming weekend. We've got Monza. Uh, which is one of the one of the oldest uh, Grand Prix on the on the Formula One calendar, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what we have for the uh, the country quiz. This is the second time that this this country uh, has popped up on the Formula One calendar this year. So I wonder if we'll get any duplicates in our country not a quiz portion. So, as Paul mentioned, this is the second uh, race in Italy this year, although it is actually going to be the first race in Italy uh, because the first one ended up getting uh, canceled due to the rain. Um, But as such, you know, didn't want to present the same history of Italy and the same history of uh, Bologna and uh, Bologna in particular. Um, so instead, I decided to turn this one into more of a, a little bit of a game uh, for Paul and Doug to enjoy. So this is actually a game that I used to play in the office um, at lunchtime uh, with a colleague from Alabama, and I found it to be quite, quite the enjoyable game. So I've transformed it a little bit for podcast uh, format. But without further ado, the game is called... Pasta, cheese, pizza, or other. Okay. okay. I'm excited. So, it's, again, pasta, cheese, pizza, or other. And I'm going to tell you right now that uh, pizza, I am basing it b- purely on what is on the menu at California Pizza Kitchen currently. <laughs> okay. Just, just clarifying, it's not cheese pizza. Those are two separate Correct. Okay. Pasta is a category. Cheese is a category. Uh, pizza is a category. And other miscellaneous is the final category. Okay. And I will note that um, I'm giving you 20 different things here. Two of them are not actually Italian, but they sound good if you pronounce them with an Italian accent. So I'm, I'm going, I'm adding them in there. So I'd like you both to answer each of them. Um, you know, there are some that are going to be very easy. Just both of you chime in. Um, we're not going to go back and forth for this. And I'll just keep scoring along the way. And let's see how this goes. You're both ready? Uh, yeah. But first, before we start, I want to note that I'm lactose intolerant. And so I'll be a conscious uh, objector 
for any of the, the cheese or pizza ones. So you can only ask me the pasta ones. Okay. Sounds good, Paul. Or I you were gluten-free, too. Oh, that's true. Gluten-free also. If celiacs. I will make yeah. sure to adjust the game accordingly. All right. You ready? Conscientious objector. I think that's the word. All right. I'm ready. Number one. Provolone. All right. All right this got to be a cheese, right? Cheese. All right. Both of you got it right. Cheese. Number two, farfalle. Pasta. Uh, Doug was pretty confident, so I'm going to go with pasta, too. Indeed, that's the bow tie pasta. Mm. Rigatoni. Pasta. pasta. Wow, you guys are nailing it. Three for three. Stromboli. Stromboli's going to be a... Well, Miscellaneous. Yeah, that's going to be other, right? Doesn't it? It's got some meat or something, doesn't it? Exactly. It's, it's, it's no pocket of cheese and meat. Nailed it, Doug. You're crushing it. Did you go to Little Italy lately? <laughs> Little Eat was it Italy? Is that what it's called? I like my Italian food. Mm-hmm. Rutgers has a uh, great Stromboli restaurant called Stuff Your Face. So. <laughs> All right, number five, tahini. <laughs> tahini <laughs> I mean it's not not Italian miscellaneous <laughs> yeah <laughs> I warned you there would be two items that are not actually Italian but sound good Italian so tahini yeah. well done you got you got one of the uh the little um oh what's the word I'm looking for here the, the, those clues that are meant to trick you up yeah anyway be... let's just, just skip past it number six Fusili. That's a pasta, pasta, isn't it? Yeah. Wow, you guys are six for six, each of you. All right, seven. Ricotta. What Jeez. is it? I think he's right. I think it is Ricotta. Cheese, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a cheese. Seven for seven, yes. Popular in lasagnas, right? Does this Number get eight? harder? Oh, of course. It's 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 gonna it's gonna it's gonna slide right off the cliff here. Uh, number eight, uh, burrata. That's cheese. a cheese. Too. Oh, okay. Very good. Gorgonzola. The cheese. Cheese. Nine for nine. Number ten, pecorino. Cheese. Uh... Sure, I'll go with cheese too. I mean, I should I should almost not give you the point there because Doug, you know, you took it from Doug. <laughs> there, but, uh, ten for ten. Number eleven, scarmozza. That's a cheese, right? Hmm. Deep in thought over there. Yeah, probably a cheese, but I'm not totally sure. Okay, there we go. 11 for 11. Hey. That's, a smoked, that's a smoked cheese, one of my favorites. Number 12. Cavatappi. No idea. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a pasta. It's got to be pasta or other. Um, the miscellaneous group is a real like uh, curveball. Mm -hmm. I think I'll, I'll, I'll go with pasta. 
12 for 12. There's no gamesmanship here. If you know the answer, you're just guessing it immediately and giving the other person the answer. All right. No trying to trick the other person or anything. This is a team sport. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, 13. Calabria. <laughs> Calabria. This, is this the other category? I would have said other. Yeah, I would have said other on this It's one. a font. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a pop. Yeah, yeah it's also the song uh, by Anur, you know? It's the region in southern Italy, so it does fall under the other category. There you go. Nice. I did not pick things that were hard enough, apparently. Uh, number 14, Bucatini. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pasta. That's a... Oh, okay, nothing, nothing too hard. 15, Tagliatelle. <laughs> That's a pasta. It's a pasta. The first one, here we go. Paul finally got one wrong. No, no, no. I said pasta. <laughs> Doug, congratulations. You got that one right. That is um, Tagliatelle is a pasta. It's a flat, it's a flat noodle. Why are you just saying Doug? Because <laughs> I heard uh, Paul answer cheese. Number 16. Mortadella. That's a cheese. Mm. Is it? I thought it was sure. a meat. Oh. Um. I'm going to go miscellaneous. You go cheese. All right. I'm sticking with cheese. Doug, again with the good instincts. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's the, it's the meat that closest resembles bologna. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like that, that like one that has like, the like the spots in it on like an Italian sub. Well, how do we know those spots aren't cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a cheese meat? No. Okay. I think it might be oh, half. So. <laughs> All right, number seventeen. Here we go. Ready? Sonata. <laughs> this got to be another category. <laughs> Sonata? Yeah, I'll say other. I don't know. It's the type of song. Yes, it is. Exactly. I also would have accepted a Hyundai, the, the Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hyundai Number... and Kia have some great names. I mean, they have like the, like Kia's got what the, or is it Hyundai's got the Santa Fe? I just like these Korean car companies selling cars that are like the Santa Fe or the, the Tucson. You know, yeah, the Tucson. <laughs> yeah. The Sonata. All right. Where's and the Albuquerque? Yeah. That's coming out next year. All right. So far, I believe Doug is 17 for 17. Hasn't gotten one wrong yet. And right. uh, Paul, here. you are 15 for 17. <laughs> I got three more, and then I have a possible bonus round. But right now, I'm not sure if I'm even going to do the bonus round because you guys are <laughs> just crushing it too much. All right, number 18, Gemelli. What is it? Gemelli. Uh, G-E-M-E-L-L-I. Uh, yeah, it's got a pasta-sounding name, but I'm not going to win by just copying Doug, so I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Cheese. I mean, I'll tell you what, if you had, you'd be tied at least. I <laughs> know, <laughs> I should have. No, like you said pasta? Yeah, I said pasta. 
All right, so you would still be tied as well if you continued going with Doug, because Doug is now 18 for 18. Uh. Can he do perfect? I don't... Will he ace this round? How many of these are? There's are two there? more. There's two more. The pressure's on. I think these are probably the two hardest also. Ready? I'm Nabulsi. Ready. Nabulsi. I think that's a pasta. Which means that it's not going to be a pasta. Nabulsi? What's crazy is there haven't been any pizza ones yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with pizza. So you're both wrong. That's a cheese. It's actually a Mediterranean cheese. Um, it's not Italian. Uh, so that's one of my trick questions as well. But it is a cheese. It just sounds good in Italian. What and Doug, it? you what are noted, you noted correctly that there have not been any pizzas yet. <laughs> How interesting. Number 20. <laughs> Pepperoncini. <laughs> it's got to be pizza, right? At this I mean, point, it's it's not it's not it's it's. I mean, it could it could theoretically be like I don't know what this pizza category is, but I'm going to go with other. Well, the pizza category I, I noted is it has to be a current name of a pizza. Uh, California pizza. Oh, that's kitchen. all it has to be is a current yes. name of a pizza. So even yeah. if that name is also an ingredient that is not a pizza. So if I had said pepperoni, for example, you know, that 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 is pepperoni are, are also like an actual thing. What are they, Doug? Like, uh, I can never remember exactly what they are, but they're like, like smaller pep, like, uh, yeah, they're like, they're, they're like, or something. they're like red and rounder, right? They're they're more like banana peppers. They're they're yellowish. They're that oh. yellow green. Um, the answer is other. Um, so Paul, you had answered pizza. Doug, through this conversation, you answered other. So Paul, Paul, you finish sixteen of twenty. Doug, you finish nineteen of twenty. But don't worry, I'm going to give you a chance, Paul, to catch up with our I'm bonus ready. round. Okay, because we are going to do a bonus round. So there's going to be five extra that I'm going to give. Five that came out of nowhere. They just showed up on my list. All uh, right. This is the California Pizza Kitchen stuff now? Uh, no comments. <laughs> uh, and so the way that we're going to do this is the first one's going to be worth one point. The second will be worth two points up through the fifth, which will be worth five points. So I'm going to start right. with you, Paul. Yeah, Number my one. guess for these next five are California Pizza Kitchen for every single one. <laughs> <laughs> So again, the game is pasta, <laughs> cheese, pizza. That happens to be the name of a pizza on the California Pizza Kitchen menu at this moment or other. So, Paul, number one. The works. <laughs> For one point. I'm sticking with my original answer of California Pizza Kitchen. Ding, 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 ding. You're up to 17 points. You're two points behind Doug, but Doug has a chance here for two points. Doug. Spicy Chipotle chicken. <laughs> uh, I guess I got to go with California Pizza Kitchen. Nailed it. For two <laughs> points, you are up to 21. So it is 21 to 17. Number three, Paul, for three points. Mm -hmm. High chicken. I'm going with my original answer of California Pizza Kitchen. Nailed it. Ding, 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 ding. 
You are only one point behind Doug now, but Doug has a chance for four points with this last question. <laughs> Doug, carne asada. Uh, California Pizza Kitchen. Nailed it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Up to 25 points. But Paul, for five could... points and a chance to tie it. Mm-hmm. It's basic how that works. <laughs> it would be funny if I just said mozzarella right now, I guess. And you <laughs> said, oh, nope, just sticking with my original answer. Uh, sorry, that's not the name of one. Uh, California Club for five <laughs> points. I'm, I'm sticking with my original answer of California Pizza Kitchen. What a miracle. It's a tie at the end of the game. 25 points to Wall, 25 points to Doug. I cannot believe the comeback that I just saw. I'm just very pleased with the two of you. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you really impressed this me with the knowledge of, of pastas and cheeses. I like to game take this rigged. moment who helped me along the way. <laughs> Wouldn't I be able to do it without you? You know who you are. Yeah, me. Doug, you got you got Jamelli, you got the Mortadella. You know, you, you that, that was a. I thought that was a pretty sneaky one right there. You knew that Cavatappi was a pasta pretty quickly. Yeah, that one I was a little bit confused by. I thought it was. I I, uh, I thought. I'm curious what the difference between Cavatappi and Cavatelli is. I know that Cavatappi. I don't know what Cavatelli is, so I can't tell you what the difference is. Cavatappi as a pasta is a spiral. Um, it's oh, a bit, that's uh, what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a hollow spiral. Oh, okay, okay. Quite yeah, good. Yeah, that was that was impressive, Doug. No, I am. Not I really was hoping that that I I would <laughs> get both of you also with the tahini. Nah, I, I tried I to sneak it in there. I have tahini in my fridge. Yeah, but it does sound pretty good as, uh, with an Italian accent. Yeah, Tahini. Could be a pasta. All right. Thank you, Remy, for uh, that fair and balanced quiz of our cheeses, pastas, pizzas, and others. Uh, so moving on, this is the cloud shapes portion. So yeah, I think this is uh, coming coming off the back of uh, the Netherlands last weekend. This is a relatively simple track shape. I don't know. What do you guys got? I got I got one, and I think that's it. I have one. I have one. All right. What's yours? Um, mine's a, a bird that's a little that's perched with. Head facing towards the left, and then a long tail. Yeah, that looks like it. Yeah, it's good. Definitely has a uh, a chicane that kind of makes the uh, the bottom of the bird's head, and yeah, definitely see the long tail. Yeah, that's a good one. Nice round belly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, mine is uh, very simply a boomerang. This is a boomerang track. Yeah. I saw that too. I, I think I collected this in uh, Breath of the uh, Breath of the Wild or in Tears of the Kingdom in Zelda the mm -hmm. other day, right? That boomerang. Yeah, the uh, yeah, the classic boomerang. Is that the one that you um, 
what's your what's your shape remy well i can yeah i can definitely see a boomerang um i i had seen kind of like a boots in a way um i but it doesn't look like italy whatsoever <laughs> even though even though italy is also the boots um and then i actually saw somebody online that posted you know the uh the hand the what you do with the the hand where where you put your I'm your a, fingers I, I together like, yeah yeah, yeah the, classic, together. the classic the yeah, classic italian motion italian. Yeah, exactly. yeah classic italian motion with your hand somebody said that you know somebody had the wrist going through the bottom and the hand you know at the the top it's there so um yeah it kind of looks you, you you could see the track in that a little oh yeah it's a, it's a beautiful thing that's probably where the hand motion came from probably from fans of monza Or that, that was the model. That was the model for the track. <laughs> yeah. Italians have been doing that, that hand motion for a very long time. What, what do you think we should use? You know, what, how, how should we draw out this track layout? I have a no idea. Uh, think about it. Uh, I have inspiration. <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I feel like that could be a pretty short segment. This is easily one of the easier tracks of the year for for us to describe we had a nearly impossible task last week with the the netherlands um and then looking forward on the on the formula one calendar we, we definitely have some interesting track shapes coming up and i think we'll have something for for most of them All right, now moving into the last segment of the podcast. This is a special topic. Doug, I know you've been preparing something on Italians for us. So what do you got? So France is the birthplace of Grand Prix racing. Britain is the heartland, but the sport's spiritual home is in Italy. Whoa, artistic. I like it. The country's home to one of the most famous racing circuits, as we are talking about today, Monza. Uh, and... Does anyone know here how many world champions uh, Italy has produced? Uh, if you ask me when I did... Actually, we did research on this, right? We have a whole episode where we do it by, uh, by country. Um, Italy was... We knew that was for an England episode. England had the most. Germany had, like, second most often. United States was up there because of some quirks where they had uh, Indy participating. I don't think Italy was top four. It might have been top four. Four would be the highest that they would be. What's the question, Doug? Do you? What's the question? How many? How many world champion? How many driver champions has Italy produced? Uh, I'm going to go four. Although I'm answering a different question than Paul is, because Paul said that they're top four (laughs) in the world. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll modify my answer. I'll say uh, two. Paul is right. Hey. There have been two world champions, uh, Alberto Ascari and Nino uh, Farina. Uh, however, we've only had one Italian driver since 2011. Uh, so in the last 12 years, only one Italian driver. Uh, this is Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, he had about 62 starts in four years. Uh, from He started in 2017 as a reserve driver uh, that could, that got put on the grid. And then 2019 through 2021, he 
he was with Al- Alfa Romeo, uh, racking up 21 points, zero podiums. Uh, he actually crashed out of the last lap of the Belgian Grand Prix having, uh, while he was running in ninth place. Uh, and actually, it, it later came out that uh, uh, that crash kind of put a big ripple in his kind of future with the team. Uh, the then team principal, you might know this name, Frederic uh, Vasser, uh, who is uh, Ferrari's current replacement uh, for Mattia. Uh, the last two kind of Italian drivers prior to that was in 2011. Uh, it was Pitantonio Liuzzi and Giarno Trulli. Uh, and so prior to 2012, uh, can you think of how many seasons were there where an Italian driver wasn't on the grid prior to 2012? Uh, I'm going to guess that there was often an Italian driver on the grid prior to 2012. Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess there were three seasons where a driver was not on the, on the grid prior to 2012. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Paul. Definitely fewer than 10. I will say four to stick with my number from before. Both wrong. Uh, there was only one season where an Italian driver wasn't on the grid, and this was in 1969. Wow. That year, uh, there was a guy named Tino Brambilla. Or Br- yeah, Brambilla. Almost made it onto the grid for Monza, but Ferrari only had one car available, and they opted to give it to their other driver, Pedro Rodriguez. And so that was the only year that an Italian wasn't on the grid prior to 2012. The other crazy thing is that Italy is also up there in the top three of countries with the most Grand Prix winners. Who are the other two countries that they sit amongst that top three rank? Uh, England, Germany. Uh, Yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah. There's only three spots. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's it's hard. UK and Germany. Uh, do you want to take a guess, Remy? Uh, nothing different. I agree. UK okay. and Germany. Uh, UK is right. Uh, they've had 145 drivers uh, win Grand Prix. Uh, the US is the second at 152. Yeah, this is um, this has become of some st- uh, weird statistics where the Indianapolis 500 used to be a part of the Formula One circuit. Um, so all of those drivers that won the Indianapolis races were counted uh, as a part of the U.S. statistics. Oh, or, sorry, as, as, as a Formula One statistics. Yeah, it's like it really screws up the numbers because there really haven't been that many uh, uh, American Formula One drivers. If I remember, if you remove that, I think Germany is it would be the next one. Yeah, well, you'd still be wrong. Uh, it would be <laughs> it would be France. Okay, by France. <laughs> but there's actually um, and, this uh, weird caveat where all these Le Mans drivers, uh, you know, <laughs> and their winners who are always French historically are counted in there, Doug. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm being facetious. Wonderful. Paul is Wonderful. right about the US. <laughs> yeah. 
But so, so fine. So then let's say uh, you're right. If, if that's true, then yeah, we shouldn't count that. So it's a good, good clarification. So it'd be the UK at 145 drivers, Italy at 83 out of their 98 drivers in history. Uh, and then France with 71. And so we can see, obviously, history in F1 had plenty of uh, uh, Italian drivers uh, and plenty of successful Italian drivers. Uh, the last Italian driver uh, to podium at Monza, does anyone know what year that was? It's probably Antonio. Well, you said Antonio never podiumed. Um, so it would be prior to 2011, that means. Uh, 1987. Yeah, I'm going with that 1992. It was actually more recent than that. Uh, Giancarlo Fisichella won three races in his career. I think that's uh, a pasta. He was the last driver uh, to podium at Monza in 2005 with Renault. Malagusto. <laughs> Who was so the last? Some... Does anyone know the last driver to win at Monza? Uh, last driver to win just in period? Um, like who won last year, you're saying? No, no, no. The last Italian driver. Oh. Um... We, got a, we have a theme here, Paul. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> going with that guy. Oh, Ascari is a good, good, good guess. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, I'll go with the the other guy you mentioned, though. It is not right. Uh, it is Ludovico Scarfiotti. <laughs> that's a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and he won Monza in 1966. Guess which team he won it with? Uh, it's it's gonna be Ferrari. That's correct. Or nice. Sorry, Remy. Sorry, I should have let you guess, but it was. I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say somehow there would be a beautiful romantic answer of McLaren. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, we haven't seen many Italian drivers recently. Um, I did a little bit of uh, kind of reading as to some hypotheses for why we're not seeing any Italian drivers. The 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 two most prevalent ones that I was able to find was, and, and this sort of lines up with the timing of, of, of when we started seeing a drop in, in Italian drivers, uh, but the 2008 financial crisis hit particularly hard in, in Italy. Uh, and I think this is something that, that is probably worth us uh, doing a segment on in the future of understanding better. Um, but... From what I read, m many teams have been looking for drivers that bring sponsorship money with them. Uh, and uh, the hypothesis was that it's kind of Italian businesses uh, haven't really had the, the spare cash necessarily to, to produce uh, solid sponsorship for, for Italian drivers. Uh, and there's actually a quote from an Italian driver who was buying for a seat that ultimately Kimi got. Uh, and this was back in 2014. But he said, T today, quality doesn't matter that much. To get a seat, one just needs the budget that is currently not within my reach. We're talking about huge sums, so high that they're very hard to find in Italy. When there are drivers such as the Mexicans or Venezuelans who bring even 15 million euros, if not more so, the mission becomes impossible for me. 
And so I don't have a great understanding of this, obviously, uh, in terms of what it takes to kind of secure a spot uh, on these teams. Uh, but it's an interesting kind of dynamic that we should definitely uh, visit in a, in a follow-up. Uh, yeah, that one's that's kind of an interesting quote to me, too. I mean, especially if Kimmy ultimately wound up with a spot. I mean, obviously, Kimmy's a very talented driver, but we know from his his background that he didn't come from wealth. You know, his dad was a, from what I remember, he was a, a driver or something like that. I mean, he definitely was not a wealthy person. So it makes me, makes me wonder what sponsorships Kimmy might have also brought. Maybe he had had success in prior series or something. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, you know, the, the, the knock against Italy there then assumes that Finland brings a lot of uh, industry and, and sponsorships to the table. <laughs> I, th- I think one thing that I was going to say is, uh, I mean, if you think about Italian and like motor- Italy and motorsport, you think you have different, uh, different things, possibly Ferrari. Maybe you think of Pirelli. If you're thinking of gas, you might think of Esso. But all of these are actually already Formula One sponsors, right? So, so I don't know that they can necessarily then go and further sponsor, um, you know, specific drivers and and things like that as well. Um, but they're already there for Formula One, right? Uh, so uh, that that might be, in a way, it might hurt. Um, I, I guess if that's the case that they might they can't sponsor other drivers that might hurt the, the Italy a little bit. But the, the, there's definitely prevalent Italian brands throughout Formula One. I know that's a great point. That's a great point. So the other kind of uh, hypothesis for potential barriers uh, of Italian drivers is actually Ferrari itself. Uh, in the first uh, four uh, years of the F1 World Championship. Uh, as I mentioned, two Italian drivers, Oscari and Nino Farina, uh, won three titles for, for Ferrari. Since then, Ferrari has won 12 more driver championships, and actually then some. Uh, it's probably up to like 17 now. Uh, uh, but none with an Italian driver. And so... Doing a little bit of reading here, the, the team has been uh, apparently somewhat reluctant to hire Italian drivers in keeping uh, with the preferences of its founder, Enzo Ferrari. Uh, after several drivers, including Alberto Ascari, uh, were killed in Ferrari car- cars, uh, apparently the Italian press was branding uh, Enzo Ferrari uh, as Saturn, uh, a devourer of his children. Does anyone know that reference? Yes. It must be from Roman mythology, right? It is the Titan. Saturn, the Titan. Uh, so the Greek Titans and uh, then became Roman mythology as well, right? So he's a Titan. But Saturn but... would be the Roman name, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he actually Saturn probably then was the fa- was he then the father of like uh, Zeus and all them as well. And then go ahead, Doug. I'm actually not sure of that piece. It was I do know that it's based on a famous painting uh, by uh, the Spanish artist Francisco Goya in the early 1820s. Uh, and interestingly, this painting That's the guy was, who does the black beans, right? What's that? Yeah. 
No, nothing. Yeah, in Secaucus, New Jersey, at the plant in Secaucus, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> this sounded very familiar to me, and and I I realized that it was portrayed in a movie uh, that I, I've seen uh, that is a fairly well known movie. Uh, does anyone know what that movie is? Of Saturn de- devouring his children, you're saying? Where would that would painting. be portrayed? The painting. Where would that would be portrayed? Uh, I don't know. That feels like a Da Vinci Code type of thing, or where else would a painting be? Uh, I'm going with Da Vinci Code. Good guess. Good guess. Any any guesses from you, Remy? No idea. But his Greek equi- Saturn's Greek equivalent is Cronus, who was a Titan. So yeah. No, no idea. So this was portrayed in the remake of Wall Street with Shia LaBeouf and Josh Brolin. Uh, who Josh Brolin was effectively the uh, kind of uh, sinister character uh, in the plot uh, and owns the, the painting. And, and Shia LaBeouf goes and meets with him in his office and, and they, they, he highlights the painting and talks about uh, how it's uh, Saturn devouring his children. Yeah, that's fun. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I'll have to go up and look more about, up about that story after the fact. Definitely but ultimately, ultimately, uh, with no Italian drivers behind the wheel, he could not be accused of killing his own countrymen. And so, <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of the main uh, main hypothesis for uh, for why there's why Ferrari hasn't really hired any Italian drivers. Uh, uh, in a very, very long time. Yeah, that's one thing I've heard about Enzo Ferrari is that he taught his son not to get close to the drivers because they were basically disposable and they died all the time. <laughs> like, it's pretty gruesome. Of course, Formula One used to be a lot more dangerous than it is today. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it, it seemed like he had a disposable attitude towards drivers for sure. Well, that, that would explain, you know, Ferrari's recent performance um, is that they have a lot of demons and, and ghosts kind of uh, <laughs> right. hanging around the pit crew. Uh-huh. That, that is a great uh, transition into uh, one other kind of interesting dynamic. They, they haven't had many Italian drivers, but they've it's kind of talked about amongst fans how Ferrari kind of has this Italian hiring policy where they they really hire for their team a lot of Italians. And so uh, their team relative to like other teams on the F1 circuit are heavily weighted towards like the local uh, uh, people as opposed to uh, more diversity. And so that that's actually one of the 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 concerns of fans is is Hey, you're not hiring the best talent, and that's why, um, that's why you're you're underperforming effectively. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think it's admirable that they hire from from you know Italians. I mean, I, I, there's a very famous MotoGP racer named Valentino Rossi, who's also Italian, of course, and actually. Um, He's not too far away from one of the Ferrari factories. I forget which one it is. Um, but he, too, he's got a huge operation. Also, you know, hiring local, hiring Italians. I don't know. It's important. It's, I mean, this is a very international sport, of course. But, you know, if you're a 
if you want your country to uh, you know pull ahead, then I guess I don't know. Or you want to pull up your country with your team, then I guess that's the right way to do it. Yes, I, and I think this is more at the, like the high level ranks, like technical director, principal, like that type of level of having like five of your seven top guys be Italian. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because like the opposite of a diversity program, <laughs> you know, mostly a lot of companies have like diversity programs where they, of course, they try to get people from diverse backgrounds into management positions. <laughs> the Italians are like, no, we're just going to do 100% Italians. So ultimately, Italy has a storied place in F1 history. And it really would be great to see more Italian drivers in the sport. Hopefully, we'll see more drivers come up in the ranks vying for championships or a win at Monza. Fingers crossed. All right, now to everybody's favorite part of the episode. This is the haiku goodbye portion of the episode where we spent nearly minutes developing these haikus to bring a little bit of culture enjoyment to everybody's days. So, I know we have got three great haikus tonight. Who wants to go first? I'll go I'll first, go Paul. You need a rock, paper, scissors for this one. Yeah, I think we both want ours. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you want to end the podcast on this one, I'll tell you that. Uh, I think you want to leave everybody with a, a more... Uh, inspired note i'll go first pizza pasta cheese italian cuisine slaps just like monza does it's beautiful and i'm glad that uh, i better go second or it gets smashed between two decent (laughs) ones all right we're ready lay it on us enzo ferrari get italian drivers you will win Monza. <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think those are both solid, but they're nothing compared to mine. Are you ready? This one's pretty artistic. Two prancing horses. A million tifosi. Zero podiums. Nice. Good, right? Much much better than your la- the, the one from the last Italy episode. <laughs> with the blue shells uh it's <laughs> me mario what yeah yeah, yeah. That's, a, right. that's, a, that's a great one right there paul i'm happy thank with you that. thank you very much yeah we're gonna be uh, uh publishing these in the uh the future views from the safety car book that'll come out 10 years from now uh so get your pre-orders in now anyways thank you oh yeah go you just gonna say something for me I was going to say, it'll be a coffee table book about coffee tables. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of the Views from the Safety Car podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. And with that, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.